Throughout the land, there were many nations. Some were great, some were less so. One such nation, formed in the great uprising, brought together people from many backgrounds and the creation of a new army. Battling throughout the land, success was a rare commodity at first, and over the years, occasional highs and long-time lows became an all-too-familiar pattern as support from the nation for its army peaked and ebbed with their successes and failures. It was in the Great Depression that they sought a new leader for their armed forces and appointed a new commander-in-chief, a visionary, to lead their battle, sorry, their nation into battle. The transformation was immediate as each part of the nation's armies came together with one common goal, with a new unity, to beat the enemy at each battle and ultimately win the great war. Each of the regiments was transformed as the armies became one united military strength. The lone defender regiment became supported by a new homeland security team to create a cohesive unit, working together, working for each other, putting the greater need before their own ambition. As nation upon nation failed to overcome this newfound strength, the new unity became stronger, more reliant on each of its parts, and more effective for the nation it served. The role of the Army's forward support units were reinvigorated to become invincible battle strategists in supporting the homeland forces, running one integrated forward support function and providing munitions and support to the frontline forces, often taking on the infantry role. With all this in place, the forward military team was free to strike at the heart of the enemy with unparalleled force, winning battle after battle, as the needs of the many became the number one goal for each member of the armed forces. Nation's armies buckled under the might of this new unity. The effect on the people of the nation was equally as transforming with a newfound belief permeating every town, every village, every hamlet, every house, every classroom, and every conversation. You may have thought that the greatest transformation was that of the nation itself as a newfound self-belief permeated every facet of life, but that was not the case. Throughout the land, people of many nations regained their belief in the need for the battles and started to believe that even the most humble of nations could victor over the might of the superpowers of the land. Before the last battle was fought, the war was won. There were great celebrations throughout all nations as the victorious armies were welcomed home. Their victories celebrated and relived and the immeasurable pride of the nation poured out of every man woman, 
boy and girl. It was a sea of colour. They were inevitable heroes of the war, previously little-known army personnel who had been thrust into the limelight, individuals on whom the burden of a new future hope was about to be placed. This was the time of a new unity, a new strength, and it was only the beginning, or so they thought. Thank you, Roland. So, who is this nation? The nation is Leicester. You see where this is going. Who is this army? Leicester City Football Club. What was the Great Depression? I'm going back and picking elements of the story out. What was that Great Depression? It was March the 21st, 2015, when Leicester City found themselves at the bottom of the table. Who was the new Chief of Staff? Claudio Ranieri was the new Chief of Staff to bring this team together, this army. So for Ben, when you say army team. The battles, many people saw them and they were full of cheering and shouting as Leicester City Football Club, much to Andrew's inexpressible delight, ripped through the Premier League, taking all the mighty superpowers of, of other teams that I'm not allowed to mention because Roland's helping me here, for example, um, beating everybody in their sight. And the war, we remember that day, it was a mighty war. And that's the victory team. That's the winning army. But the people we talked about in that story, they were the people of Leicester. But it also showed that how unity within an army, or in this case unity in a football team, and a belief in a group, a group of underdogs can transform an entire nation, as even I was following what Leicester were doing. Because we wanted them to do well. So this was what they experienced. They experienced a new unity, a new belief in self, a new belief in working with each other and for each other for a goal that is far higher and more important than they were. But the parable continues. Expectations were high when the new wars started, with the sounds of victory still ringing in the ears of the entire nation. So what happened then? Now, the battles were more like this. The people were more like this. There was a missing unity. And this was what the nation was now saying. Could they go down? Where did it go wrong? I'm glad Andrew's not here. All these notices. 
dis dissension. They were starting to argue with themselves. What was going to go wrong with this team? Internally, they were saying, where's the unity gone? I'm not making this up. This is off a newspaper. Show unity. Come back. Be united. And when the hard times came, the manager was saying, let's get together. Let's work together again. What happened? The blame. We know what happened. Nine months after the great victory, they sacked their chief of staff. He was to blame. And the inevitable this year for this victorious army, you might not be able to read that one, but every red blob is a loss. Nothing like the previous year. This year was scattered with failure, with arguments, with sackings, with more arguments, and more what went wrong. The unity had gone. It had gone. No longer was this Leicester City united. It became Leicester City divided. And now, I think we have the offertory, do we? Do we have the offertory, Colin? Sorry for getting the timing wrong. But for those who are doing the offertory, can we now have some offertory, please? As we dwell on what can go wrong. There is nowhere else I'd rather be Than in your presence Even in this wilderness I seek For your direction I'm calling, I'm longing For more of you I'm Father God, we pray for these gifts. We've given them freely. And for all those in direct debits and standing orders, as well as the regular giving of this, your church, to your work here in Thomas Risley and in this neighborhood and this community. We pray that you will bless them as we use them for the furtherance of your kingdom in your name. In Jesus Christ. Amen. piece of paper now. I think it's with me. So, what's the next picture? Unity. So where there is a place of commanding blessing where brethren in unity dwell. So straight away we laid it out. It's a question of today's unity. And the reason why I did pick Leicester, uh, sorry, family thing going on there. The reason why I picked Leicester City is it's a story we've seen. So whilst we talked about armies and we talked about unity, it's a real practical example of when unity can bring great things for those who are there and how disunity 
can actually pull things apart. When we look to the Bible, there's something really quite interesting. Because we find... Sorry, could we turn some lights, lights, lights down here? Because we know that we've got problems with the projector. So, um, Derek's here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about what we've got. It's a picture of the, uh, the Israelites, uh, the Jews, who have been taken out from captivity. And they're in the wilderness. And God did great things there. But the biggest thing they did when they all got together was complain about what was going wrong. So there's a little pattern there. There's many of these. But that's one little insight that when we get our act together and do something under our own strength, it's not always good. Then there was Jesus. Now we know the Pharisees convinced the crowds to say it in terms of releasing Barabbas and crucifying Jesus. But here we have people acting in the interests of people to get what they want. It's a really good example of not seeing the bigger picture. Now, we're eternally grateful that they didn't see the big picture because God had a much bigger plan. But here was where people got together and it wasn't very constructive. So, in the Bible, there's many instances where people don't do great things. But equally, if you look carefully, there are many instances where people are used by God to achieve great things. So there's a subtle difference there about how to go about things. If you go things in the name of God, then God blesses these things and greatness is achieved. When Jesus asked to bless the bread, now who was this? Was this Angela? No, Angela comes later. We recently had one of the elders that talked about the breaking of the 5,000 plus women and children. And Jesus, Jesus Christ, asked God to bless the bread and through God's involvement great things were achieved Pentecost that's just massive if you read around Pentecost looking for an instance of where God moved in great ways it's just riddled with it so let's just hear a little bit can we have that light one over there please for Roland thank you all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Thank you. Stay there for a second. Two things. Lot, I loved reading that second chapter of Acts. It's, it's, go away and read it. It's great fun. But in there, for me, there's two things. Little, little points. It says, and I quote, there were God-fearing Jews there. Now, these are religious people, so it wasn't anybody in the street observing these amazing things it wasn't anybody in the street being amazed it was god fearing lifelong jews who were amazed at what god could do and for me that adds some gravitas to the whole thing it wasn't people looking on and thinking well that's pretty cool it was people who were in the thick of the church saying this was unbelievably amazing and the last bit picking this idea that when god intervenes amazing things are achieved that bit at the end what a cool little throwaway remark. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3, 
thousand. Three thousand in here. Well, we, we can fit 250 on a good day in here. Three thousand people were added to their numbers. Now, I'm going to ask a question. The scholars here, and please don't answer, but it made me wonder. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he fed 5,000 men, plus women and children. When he fed the 4,000, there were 4,000 men, plus women and children. Here, there's no men referenced. For the first time, we seem to be hearing 3,000 people. Now, I don't know, the scholars will tell me, but I felt encouraged that in the new order of the Holy Spirit, that we're not intercounting men anymore. This is the new order where all people of all races and all nations, Medes, I missed the bit out because there's some really complicated names for Roland in the middle. Um, but they were all there and they were all included, man and woman alike. Because when God does things, God does things properly. Which leads us into the reading for today, which is going to continue to be slightly interactive and just pulling out little extracts to just chew over briefly as we go through the readings. Colossians 3, living as those made alive in Christ. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, Angela's out, isn't she? All right, okay, because last week we had the straw incident, which I thought was wonderful, where one of the children was asked to suck on a straw, and it was, it was quite ineffective. Uh, and it was... She was talking about we should set our minds on the bigger picture and what gets in the way of what we do. And the message here is really quite clear. Set your things on the bigger picture. Now, bit of an advert, I'd recommend the house groups to everybody. Um, I've learned so much through our house groups. And one of the things we, we chewed over quite a lot was why Jesus kept saying, don't tell anybody. And he does this, but don't tell anybody. And we concluded as we studied that Jesus doesn't want it to be about healing the blind or making the deaf here. That Jesus has got a bigger role and a bigger picture. And he doesn't want these miracles getting in the way of his ultimate big picture. Jesus is the ultimate big picture. And in here it says set your sight on the big things, on the big pictures in life. And I, 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 I like lots of songs but I do like a hymn. And the line in this, in this hymn was wonderful. I've written it down. It says, And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. And for me, that puts it in context. When we think of eternity and we think of what Jesus has done, that should be the focus of our attention. Roland. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived.
these are very private matters. Very private matters. And these are matters that we can hide within our lives. These aren't matters that are on show. And these are matters that are down to us as individuals when we look at the bigger picture of how we live our lives. It's quite clear, it says, to avoid them. But unlike the next part, which is about the things that are public, this is something for us to dwell on in the quietness of our own day about whether or not these are our idols getting in the way of the bigger picture. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Anger, rage, malice, slander. This is the other part. This is this, we just talked about the privacy of our lives. This is the public part of our lives. This is what people see in us. And sadly, this is what people judge in us. What they see is what they perceive. And I have one challenge to all of us, all of us, included today. And it's quite simply that slide. In the old days, you said something and a couple of people have heard and you might upset them. But in today's society, you can say something on social media and it can be seen by tens and hundreds of people. And we need to ask ourselves, what do we use this social media for? Do we use it to glorify God's kingdom? Yes, we use it to say we're having a great day. Why not? It's great. Celebrate things. But now it's so much easier to actually, for people to see the things that we've just discussed, the rage, the anger, because social media is there. And it spreads word so quickly. In terms of what we should say, just slotted in another reading here from Timothy. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Sorry, that wasn't to Timothy. That's the next verse. But uh, to Timothy says, avoid, avoid godless chatter. But this goes on to the next point here. So... I've been on the research to find out what these actually mean. And if anybody knows about Microsoft, you get synonyms and antonyms. And the antonym is pretty much the opposite. So what is it not? So, going through them. Compassion is not coldness. So the challenge of our lives is, with the bigger picture in mind, are we ever cold? Kindness means not being mean. Anything from the person asking for help to the thought about somebody. Humility is about not being proud or overbearing. 
I love the word overbearing. It's quite an old-fashioned word. But it means putting down the people who are quiet, putting down the people who are less forceful than yourself and not picking them up and encouraging them. Gentleness is not being strong or brutal. Gentleness is an absolute gift. And patience, perhaps, the easiest one to understand is not to be intolerant, but to go the extra mile. It's a classic love is kind of thing, patience. And it's at times the hardest because some people can be an absolute pain, me included. And there are many times when we get, and it gets hard, and therefore it's a challenge to us all. However, we're called to bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Bear with each other. Forgive one each other. Love one another. So let's go back. With each other, don't be cold. Don't be mean. Don't be overbearing. Brutal is a very harsh word. But don't be brutal or overly strong. And be, be patient. Don't be impatient or intolerant. So in terms of how to love each other, it's all of the previous items that are on that sheet. So love. Why? Roland. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So it's right up there. If you ask the Son of God, the two most important rules to live your life, and the Son of God says, love the Lord your whole God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, yeah. But the other one is love your neighbour as yourself. Now, there's been many, many sermons, far better than the ones I'll ever, ever give about love. But the thing about this one for me is that love is right up there. It is absolutely right up there. And we know that our neighbour is anybody we meet. It's the people here around us, the people we are united with, but it's anybody we meet. So why love? Well, the Bible says, Jesus loves me this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The Bible encourages us to love one another. And going back to Psalm 119, where it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So if we are faced by a challenge, that's possibly one of the easiest things to remember. John 3.16 is pretty popular. But in terms of love your neighbours as yourself, this, there are no other commandment greater than these. So it's up there. Love your neighbours yourself is one of the top two before anything that we do. Let the peace, of, the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, 
and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Michael Jackson wrote a song, did many things, move on. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make the change. So, in closing, a couple of things we're going to do. One is the thing we're going to reflect. Now, things stick in your mind. And this, in terms of looking in the mirror and making the world a better place and showing people love and kindness and compassion and understanding and not being overbearing or strong or impatient. Switch it on. That's an easy picture to remember. You're the little quiet cat. So in the morning, now I'm going to get this right here, I'm going to get it wrong so I don't upset anybody. Every time you wash Shave, that's the men. Put on your lipstick. Check your gorgeous. Ask yourself, who am I? Who is that reflection? What do people see? So when we're on social media, what do people see? And how do I behave? What do people in my church group see? Do they see, well, he's, he's a bit of a pain, but he's really nice. She's a bit of this, but that. Or do they say, that person's really kind. Now I look around here and I know people that I think, oh, you're just so kind, you're so considerate. And the standards in this church are, are fantastic. They're brilliant. And long may that be. And let's thank God that we do love each other. But personally, one-on-one, -on -one, I sometimes think I see that person in the mirror. I'm not always charming. Uh, and Pam will back me up on that one. But that image there, take a look at yourself and say, how do I become a part of this unity? Think of the bigger picture. Go back to Leicester. Working together, going the extra mile for each other. And it's that quite serious subject that brings out the love. And the love is such a wonderful thing that we have in this church that we celebrate in this church, that people who visit us in this church say, that church is so loving. So dwell on that. People are already seeing us as loving, and long may that be that we focus on that as a church. The last thing is we're going to have communion in a second, and peace and unity it's another act as we come together to share communion, to celebrate Jesus' blood and Jesus' body and to celebrate that Jesus died for us on the cross. So it's an act of unity. I'm going to have a short prayer in a second. Then it's an act of unity. I ask the lights to go on and that we share the peace because it's God's peace between us that brings us closer together. So if we just take time out for a brief second, then I'll do a very short prayer. Now have the lights on. And then we'll share the peace one with another. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for each other. For the kindness and the patience and the understanding and the long-suffering that we see 
together. And we thank you for the love in this place. And we pray, Lord, that you will move in this church so this church will achieve greatness, that we will rest on you, that we will rely on you, and we'll keep focus on the bigger picture that is your work in this place. And we share now the peace between each other to share in this unity. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. God's peace be with you. Please wonder. <laughs>